Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. You need to be able to look after your staff. That's the people who work in the kitchen, the people who tidy up after us at the end of the day. It's the whole community, everybody working together. And I think when you can create that kind of leadership, it builds an energy that almost feels like anything's possible. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Dame Alison Peacock. Alison's the CEO of the Chartered College of Teaching, an organisation whose aim is to support teachers to gain the expertise they need to achieve the best outcomes for children and young people. Before joining the Chartered College of Teaching, Alison was an executive head teacher. In July 2019, Alison was awarded an honorary doctorate of education by the University of Bath Spa. She became one of the first women to receive an honorary fellowship from Queen's College and joins us today to share her insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Alison. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Amy. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking with you. So can you tell us a little bit about the, the Chartered College of Teaching and the organisations that you lead, please? Yes. So um, I started the Chartered College of Teaching as the first CEO of um, the charity. We started it in um, January 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a professional body, voluntary professional body for teachers in the UK and beyond. Fantastic. Fantastic. So five years uh, established for five years this year and so what kind of challenges are you up against as the leader of that organization at the moment so, so i would say one of the first challenges is that teachers um, aren't used to paying to belong to something so they're used to being part of their school and they're used to getting free cpd um, so setting up an organization which is voluntary where we were wanting people to pay an annual membership of 47 pounds um, was a challenge. We got a grant from the government to be set up, but the grant didn't include any marketing budget. So they said to us, if you want to spend any money on marketing, you can't because the cabinet office have to sign that off separately. So um, we had lots of KPIs in our first uh, four years before we became independent of government. And they were all about reach and um, impact and so on. But we weren't allowed to spend any money on contacting anybody. So we needed to rely on our own networks, on social media, um, on word, word of mouth, which actually across schools is a really important way of getting messages out there because there are school secretaries up and down the land who are very skilled at closing down emails and throwing mail in the bin. Okay. <laughs> so, so the only way to get through really... Um, pretty much is by personal recommendation. Okay. Um, yeah, but we've built a membership of over forty-five thousand members wow. in in that time. So we're on the way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so, was your career? Were you always headed for the chief exec suite uh, seat? Sorry, I mean, from your teaching career, had you always set your sights on the head teacher? And from there, were you still chasing the the a leadership role, or was it quite um, an organic process? So. When I started teaching, I I didn't start teaching thinking I need to be a head teacher. But what I did, I think I'm I'm sort of characterised by a sort of restlessness that says, what else can we do? What else can we do? And so I was really keen to uh, show the impact of what was happening in classrooms where I was teaching. I wanted to share the knowledge of what was going on. I became involved in research at the University of Cambridge. We published books. 
And then when I applied for my first, and as it worked out, only headship, I was there for um, over a decade as a head teacher. Mm. I went to a school that was labelled as being in special measures and took that school to being outstanding. Wow. And then subsequently it was judged to be outstanding. And so from that position, I used that as a position of influence because Mm -hmm. people will listen to you if you've been on that journey, Um, especially if you've been on the journey without sacking people along the way. So I never joined that school with a view of, right, we'll just stand aside everybody. You can all leave and we'll start again. It's about how can we all go on a journey together and make this school amazing. And I said at the interview, when I was interviewed for that job by the governors, they said to me, where will you take the school in three years time? What will this school be like under your leadership? Typical kind of leadership interview questions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I said in my presentation that the school was going to become a centre of excellence. And I think they probably thought, Oh, bless, you know, yes. but actually it did become a centre of excellence. Yeah, good to see So, and then moving from there to the Chartered College, um, establishing a new um, charity with funding from the government. This was all about what can we do to collaborate across the country? How can we enable teachers to talk to each other, learn from professionals, learn from academics, um, and build that kind of culture of collegiality, which is so important, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And must have been invaluable over the last 18 months, two years. Well, I mean, yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it's not, I, we, we were kind of talking, weren't we? For a, for a few weeks, we were talking about the end of the pandemic. And now we've got this awful world crisis. And I feel as if, yeah, I mean, teachers are always on the front line because children want reassurance. They always want to know, is everything going to be all right? Families look to schools for, for hope. Mm-hmm. So having given out so much during the pandemic, we're now in a position where we now need to be again saying, what can we do to help um, across the world? What can we do to welcome refugees? What can we do to support families who are experiencing trauma? Um, yeah, it feels like we're we're riven with catastrophe, doesn't it? And then on top of all of that, of course, young people are really, they're really worried about the environment. So schools are places where young people can try and do something to make a difference in terms of that global challenge, as if we haven't got enough. Yes, yeah. It's a great way to look at it. It's a great way to look at it. And and so you mentioned that restlessness and sort of trying to always improve things or, or see what else can we do, what else can we do. But is do you think that's a characteristic that all leaders need or are there characteristics that leaders need to be successful? So, so if you were constantly... Um, you know, never satisfied with everything, you wouldn't be a very good leader because there'd be this whole sense of, oh, goodness, what does she want now? What does she want now? But there is a a kind of inner drive Mm. that um, means that second best is never going to be enough. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a really important part of, of being a leader, which is about how do you take people with you? How do you enable people to see a vision of where is it that we need to get to? Mm-hmm. So going into that school when it was in special measures and saying to the staff and the parents and the governors and everybody, this school is going to become a centre of excellence. Yeah. That feels like almost an impossible goal when you're in a situation of possible closure with termly HMI inspections, you know, Mm -hmm. the idea that you're going to move from that to being a kind of global place that people are going to want to know feels ridiculous. And so having that vision and then moving towards it becomes hugely celebratory. And then in terms of the Chartered College of Teaching, starting an organisation from scratch 
uh, with no members to building to that sort of over 45,000 members, journals being published three, sometimes four times a year, people having heard of us building a high quality reputation in five years, that's pretty ambitious as well. So it is not that it's not about glorifying in all of that. It's about a, a kind of celebration along the way that says, look, we've done this. Now, look, what else can we do? And what else do we need to do? Because children need us to enable teachers to be inspired. It's our future. So how do we help teachers? You know, how do we encourage them not to leave the classroom? How do we encourage hope in the system? Yes. And essentially that's that's kind of been my job for the last, I don't know, 25 years, building hope. Fantastic, fantastic. And was there an experience or a piece of advice that someone gave you earlier in your career that shaped that approach to leadership? I think making sure that you listen Mm -hmm. is really fundamental. No, genuinely listening. And then if you ask people's opinion, acting on what they say. So you don't always have to agree. It's not about, you know, the children say we'd like chocolate fountains in the playground and you've got to somehow enable that to happen. But if you ask communities genuine and you genuinely want to listen and you genuinely show you trust them and you want to hear and understand the answers, then they come up with very sensible suggestions. And together, people can work and achieve so much more than they ever can on their own. So it's that notion of um, listening to build collaboration and mm-hmm. trust, I think. Trust is one of those things that leaders often talk about, really hard won and really, really easily lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's it's something you have to constantly work at because mm-hmm. you've only got to take one wrong step or say something that perhaps you regret and you can lose, pe- you can lose your credibility. People can look at you and say, oh, I thought she was better than that. Yeah. And then they lose faith. So it's... it's um, yeah, it's, it's like a marriage. It's hard work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's interesting you say that about trust because I was speaking with a, a, another business leader recently and they were talking about the dichotomy between trust and protection when you're a leader. So if you're protecting your team, there's almost an element that you don't trust them entirely. And so that can have an impact on, on, your, on, on the perception of the team. But I think it's absolutely trust is paramount, isn't it, when you're in a leadership yeah. role? Yeah. It and, I, and I would say that in that in that whole kind of conversation around trust and protecting people, part of what you, you need to do as a, as a leader is to make sure that you're not just trusting and protecting part of your community. You're really doing that for everybody. So, mm-hmm. you know, a school leader who privileges the children over and above everybody else, that's only going to take you so far. You need to be able to look after your staff. And mm-hmm. that's the people who work in the kitchen, the people who tidy up after us at the end of the day, as, as well as the deputy head and all the teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the whole community, everybody working together. And I think when you can create a sort of that kind of leadership, it builds an energy that yeah. means that it almost feels like anything's possible. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as, as, leader of the school once we'd become outstanding and our results had had, you know were really high then we started to talk to other schools about not about what can you do to improve but how can we share stories that will help you along your journey and really not being in a position of um you know wanting to tell people what to do because actually there's only so much of that that anybody can stand Mm -hmm. but if you can feel inspired 
and you can think about, oh, I could try this now. That gives you, you're able to take the next step yourself. And then yeah. you're, you yourself are starting to be on that same journey. And then being able to celebrate across schools and celebrate um, communities that were doing amazing things. Everybody gets stronger through absolutely. a sense of collective inspiration, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so if someone was looking to follow in your footsteps, Adam, I mean, you shared fantastic insight already, but was would there be advice that you would offer to someone that was looking to follow in your footsteps from a leadership perspective? <laughs> don't know why anybody would want to follow in my footsteps. Um, I think... Hmm. It's, it's so easy to kind of glib, give glib kind of advice um, because the, the job of being a teacher, leave alone being a leader, is a really, really difficult one. <laughs> it's really challenging. And I think um, making sure that you look after yourself and leave some space in your life, even if it's only at the weekends or, you know, in the holidays, when you can remember who you are and remember your family and your friends. These are really important because too often I'm seeing people burning out. Mm -hmm. They feel as if they've got to give all the time. And it's, a, you know, particularly during the pandemic, there wasn't even a break at weekends. We had no. head teachers who were bearing the burden of trying to support their community in life or death situations without being overdramatic. And then, you know, transporting food, enabling people to actually have enough to eat, um, mm -hmm signposting medical help, signposting for help for families where children were finding it very difficult to cope. And all of the services that normally support children, of course, most of them had closed. There was no one available to actually see any of these children. And head teachers typically do take on a tremendous amount because people come to the head teacher and they expect them to know. They expect them to have um, almost superpowers in terms of wisdom and uh, capacity to just take on board whatever they're, they're, is thrown at them and they'll be able to find an answer. And of course, we're all just human beings. So I think that um, resilience that head teachers have shown and teachers have shown over the last couple of years has been amazing. Mm -hmm. But we now need to do something to help them because if we're not careful, the burnout will be such that we will lose our most experienced colleagues. And if mm -hmm. we start to do that, then well, I don't know quite where education ends up, to be honest, because we need yeah. who know, who are wise, I think. We need old birds like me <laughs> and others um, to stay around and try and help, I think. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and so in terms of your leadership career, is, are there people that have influenced you in the past? Is there, is there one leader, past or present, and, and famous or otherwise, that you particularly admire? And if so, what is it about them? So there were so many, there are so many people that have really influenced me. I think, well, when I, when I was researching with the University of Cambridge and I was a head teacher and then we were writing a book about the school and, and this academic was working with me. Her name's Mary Jane Drummond. She was an, an early years specialist. Uh, she absolutely took no prisoners. I mean, she incredibly intelligent woman, very knowledgeable about young children and, and what makes young children tick. Mm -hmm. And so that knowledge about the children meant that I, you know, learning, working closely with her and learning from her meant that some of the kind of priorities that get in the way when you're leading a school are people who give you targets about, I don't know, attendance or something like that. And actually a much bigger target is how can I enable every child to flourish in the school and want to come to school? 
And then if you get that right, the attendance looks after itself. Yeah. So if you, if you go down rabbit holes of, mm-hmm. you know, demanding so much attendance, then you can, you can be actually ignoring really key issues that are affecting families. Yeah. Um, so that kind of um, having that sense of the whole mission of what it means to be a great teacher and a leader was something that Mary Jane really inspired in me. She was great. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And and are there books that have influenced you in the past as well as leaders? Is there something on your reading list that you would recommend to someone? Um, Well, there's a book that's just come out, which is, um, it's called About Our Schools. It's like the telephone directory. It's very, (laughs) it's written by um, Tim Brickhouse and Mick Waters. They're both um, kind of huge educationalists, inspiring um, guys who have written about not only what they feel needs to happen next in education, but how we've got to where we've got to. So they've interviewed, I don't know how they managed to do it. They must have a very uh, clever little black book. So they've interviewed previous secretaries of state for education going back decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've got all kinds of people that have contributed to the, the book. But essentially, I think they offer a, a kind of vision for hope for the school system. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a light read. It's not one that you could uh, take with you and read on the beach. You wouldn't be able to hold it up, but it's it's uh, it, it, it's certainly inspirational. Wow, fantastic. Thank you. And so can you tell us a little bit about um, your organisation, what's going to be happening at the Charter College over the next six, nine, 12 months? So you've heard of Chartered Accountants, right? Mm-hmm. So now we want to build um, a cohort of chartered teachers. These are teachers who post qualification, experience in the classroom, and then study to become chartered. And we're working globally to um, establish this status for teachers. We believe that parents, um, employers, everybody in society will be able to recognise chartered status and see what this means. So if your child is being taught by a chartered teacher, you know they're in the hands of a real expert. Mm-hmm. It's about engaging with the most recent research, engaging with evidence-informed practice, not just theorising. So one of our assessments is about video capture from your classrooms. You've got to be able to prove that you can not just talk a good game, but that you can actually make a difference. Yeah. Um, that's what we're going to be focusing on. And we're working with a whole range of different educational organisations across the country and saying to them, when your candidates are ready, put them forward for assessment via the Chartered mm-hmm. College so we can build. We don't have to teach them all. We can work with lots of, of partners to do that. But when it comes to accreditation, they would come to the Chartered College. So I think we're on a journey to do something really very special and it is really about aligning all of that opportunity for teachers and giving them a state a status that means people can recognize their worth mm-hmm. is a long time coming so yeah. yeah that's our priority fantastic and so if people are interested in supporting you or they've got something to offer to 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 the charter college or they feel they could help in some way how do they get in touch where can they find you so it's just literally chartered.college um if you want to email me it's alison.peacock at chartered.college and I would love to hear from people. Um, you know, it's 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 a very exciting mission, but also hugely, hugely important. I don't think there's anything probably other than the NHS. I think education is, you know, the next sort of world service, if you like, that's needed for our young people in their future. So, Absolutely. yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Alison. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. It's been a great, great episode. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you.